Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And it is the last day before the official start of the Herm Edwards era. And it's also the day that the college football playoff came out. So, Matt, which do you want to talk about first? Oh, well, uh, you know, let's talk about Herm Edwards. I, I don't care. There isn't a whole lot to talk about with Herm Edwards. I mean, I guess what, what, we, um, what we talked about last week, you know, still applies. It's still not... 100% official, but it certainly seems like it's going to be tomorrow, I guess. It it applies, except my fear is a little more. Yeah, yeah. I went I mean, from being like 60% afraid, and then you and I had a text exchange where I said, look, I'm going to adopt your strategy. It's not official, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it. And yeah. then 24 hours later, uh, I saw Haller's article, ASU expected to announce the hiring of Herm Edwards yeah. tomorrow morning. Uh, that didn't make me feel good. That didn't make me feel no, safe. No, no. I mean, it, you know, I guess that's what's going to be. Um, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's weird. I mean, I think <laughs> it seems like it's been out there for a long time. In, in the grand scheme, it really hasn't. I mean, it was just seven days ago that we were firing Todd Graham and everybody had Kevin Sumlin coming here. Um, but with the way the news cycle works nowadays and things come out and they change so fast that, you know, it feels like this has been out there for so long that there's not even really a shot to it anymore. It's just, um, you know, that's that's what it's going to be. Um, you know, I, I, everything I said before, you know, is still true. Um, it's not what I expect. It's very unconventional. It's uh, uh, very risky. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um you know, maybe, just maybe, the unconventional and the risky will work out for us. Yeah, maybe. Um, one other coaching change that we alluded to before uh, that you predicted as being a done deal, and it turned out it was, was Scott Frost going to Nebraska. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that press rele- that overtime ended and the Nebraska press release was out. Yeah, well, I mean... You know, the news came out in the fourth quarter of the game, I guess, um, which, of course, you know, made me wonder, did whoever report, you know, all the people reporting the news, I mean, like, I kind of doubt that Scott Frost accepted the job mid-game. So, you know, were they late to the story? Uh, did they hold it to, you know, build the drama? kind of felt that way. Now, it got reported by somebody who, you know, first, who doesn't work for ESPN, although don't tell Steve Levy that because apparently he thinks he still does. Um, but you know, so you, in some ways, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, want the drama for ESPN. Uh, but it just felt so sort of, you know, contrived, like here comes the news, right? At the end of the fourth quarter of the conference title game that he's agreed to deal. I mean, the uh, craziest thing to me was apparently Nebraska had been telling recruits that it, it was a done deal yeah. for like a week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what I thought it, it, it fits. I mean, I was guessing last week, but. You know, Nebraska was just very quiet last week when, when all the, you know, talk out there was A&M and Tennessee and ASU and, you know, you heard nothing about Nebraska. Um, Florida quickly, you know, after Chip Kelly turned them down, it was like very quickly Florida hired Dan Mullen. And the thought was they were hot for Scott Frost. So it just kind of, you connected the dots that, um, you know, they were probably that was going to be the end result. And, and you know what? I think what's great about this, honestly, is that it seems like it was handled in the classiest of fashions, and that's hard to do these days. But, I mean, Central Florida seems very 
you know, appreciative of what he did there. His players seem very, you know, appreciative and respectful of him. Seemed like he was genuinely that torn up about having to do it, but couldn't say no. And, and you know, I, I respect that. I mean, God, it's a chance to coach your alma mater. How can you say no to that? Yeah, you, you have to take that opportunity when it's there because it may never come again if you pass this time. Absolutely. And, and I think the way that they handled it both ways, I mean, the official UCF uh, Twitter yeah. put out a thing about, you know, forever our coach. Thank you for a great season. Cool. Best of luck going home. Yes. You know, yeah. And, yeah, you know Nebraska just leaned right into the headline writing of a frost returns to. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, it was a, it was a good deal. You know, there's not a lot of these coaching moves rarely go down smoothly. I mean, look at Jimbo Fisher leaving Florida State. It was it was not smooth. Uh, you know, there are hard feelings. Uh, you know, it just doesn't usually happen that way. And so I I kind of appreciate the fact that. It seems like they were able to handle it maturely and, and you know, both understand the other side and, and, you know, just kind of accept this is, you know, Central Florida, give them credit. This is reality. You hired the guy, he came in and did well, and now he's got a bigger and better opportunity and you got to hire the next guy. And, that you know, it's tough being in that position if you're a fan of theirs, but that's reality. You know, as long as they're in the conference they're in and have the resources that they have, this is going to be the reality of it. Talk to me about your feelings on Jimbo Fisher leaving for the richest coaching deal, 10 years, $75 million. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it surprises me, and yet the more I've read in the last few days, it shouldn't have. Um, it seems like, you know, I, I, I follow Florida State, but I don't, you know, I don't follow them. Obviously, I'm across the country. I don't get the you know same amount of news like you do with ASU, where you can kind of get a feel for the program. Um, it seems like you know this was a part of that was bound to happen. Maybe from the start of the year, um, read some things that basically you know Jimbo Fisher is a lot like his you know former boss Nick Saban. He's a very demanding guy. He's a very difficult personality in some ways. Successful, um, but made a lot of demands. Always wanted more when it came to, you know, facility upgrades and things like that and could never be satisfied, it seemed like. And, it, it, you know, his flirting with other jobs, I think, you know, it, it was probably time. Um, again, not handled in the smoothest of fashions to, to leave before the last game. But apparently they wanted him to make a decision. He made that decision. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of ugly, but I think maybe the best scenario for both that, you know, seems like bitter feelings had popped up enough that they needed a fresh start, both of them. The other job in the coaching carousel that has just gone crazy is Tennessee. Um, yeah. I mean, bring, it, it brought down an athletic director. It brought back Phil Fulmer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, wild there, yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk about how how smoothly Nebraska handled theirs. Ultimately, they got the guy they wanted. They kept a low profile, you know, um, that's been just the opposite of Tennessee, uh, a mess. I mean, you know, highlighted obviously by the Greg Chiano debacle that's kind of, I think, led to all the things since, um, number of guys that have, you know, flirted, turned down, uh, you know, Thursday night, it was Mike Leach. He, you know, he was going to accept the job and that was that. And then by Friday morning, the AD was fired and, you know, everything with Mike Leach was on hold, if not off. Um, so, yeah, crazy. And I, I don't know where they go from here. I mean, the, the logical one would be T. Martin. 
because he's a former player and would probably bring some of that feel good back, much like Scott Frost. But they don't seem to be going in that direction unless they're going to change course now. They haven't really engaged him at all. Uh, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how that turns out. Um, and also, what happens now with Leach? What happens with Shiano? What happens with the guys who thought they were leaving their current right. jobs? You know, obviously, right, Shiano right. certainly had the defense ready for the uh, Big Ten Championship game for Ohio State against Wisconsin. But, yeah, you know, it, it's it's got to be hard now to say you're going to go and recruit kids um, I mean, obviously, Shiano's a coordinator, not the head coach. Right. But it's right. got to be hard to go to a kid's living room and say, no, I'm here. I'm in for the long haul when we just yeah. watched you sign a deal or think you signed a deal. Yeah. To right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're right. I mean, he's a coordinator, and so you kind of accept that, you know, that's the way. But, uh, yeah, with Mike Leach, it's very interesting. Um, he seems – it kind of appears anxious to get out of Washington state. And I don't know if that's because the AD change, uh, you know, I, I think he had a good working relationship with the previous AD who's now in Nebraska. Um, and he's, uh, you know, not quelled any rumors and uh, like I, you know, it appeared at least from media reports, if you want to trust those that he was going to take the Tennessee job. Um, you wonder if he maybe gets the, you know, into the Arkansas fray because apparently Gus Malzahn has turned them down make more money at Auburn I just read yeah um, so I you know that would be a fit for him potentially he might be a good fit at Arkansas he's kind of you know he's a, a guy Texas Tech and Washington State both kind of places that resemble Arkansas in the sense that uh, they're off the beaten path uh, their fan base would accept kind of a weirdo as the coach and he is definitely kind of a weirdo um, and so it might be a good fit for him ultimately yeah, and it really seems like he can't stay at Washington State. I think if I was the AD of Washington State, I would say, Mike, what do you want me to do? Like, you've, yeah. you've tied my hands. I can't bring you back. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and you wonder, you know, he had a very bad relationship with the administration at Texas Tech. And you wonder with him, is, is he thinking, well, if I'm getting a new AD, I'm getting out of here before I have a bad relationship with another one. I, I don't know. I haven't heard that. But it just, you know, you kind of connect the dots that, you know, he, he seemed to have a good relationship with Bill Moose, and that's obviously gone now. Maybe he wants a fresh start before, you know, the next person pushes him that way. So the last thing I want to raise before we get into the college football playoff was on Twitter, DeMario Richard, Manny Wilkins, and, you know, that's just a couple ASU guys, not you know, many mm-hmm. more non-ASU guys, pointing yeah. out again how... Wow, Jimbo Fisher can leave one job for another, make seven and a half million dollars a year, <laughs> and I can't get paid. I, you know, my can't get paid, and and can't can't leave and you know just play the next year. I mean, you know, if you're going to yeah. leave, you got to. I mean, that's the point I've I've heard mentioned, and it's a great point. You know, so Jimbo Fisher can leave Florida State, but no Florida State players can leave and go, you know, to play somewhere else without sitting out. Um, you know, and that's it's. Uh, it's not fair. I mean, the system has never been fair. And, and you know, I think uh, nowadays, you know, guys are a little bit more aware of that maybe than they used to be. Um, certainly as the money has exploded, you're going to become more aware of that. When your coach is making, you know, uh, seven figures and you're making zero, that's going to lead to some questions of, hey, why is that? Um, you know, and, and I agree with them. I mean, we've talked about that a bunch. Like, it's not fair. 
and anybody who describes it as fair is delusional. Um, so I've been trying to come up with an analogy and I think it's not good. It's not going to work, but I've been working on it for, for Mike Leach. If he goes back to Washington state or ASU having to go to the Sun Bowl. And the analogy I've come up with is you're dating somebody and you both know it's not going to work, but you, and you look other places, you, you try to get out, you, you flirt with somebody else. You're trying to get caught (laughs) trying to make it not happen. And yeah, then all yeah. of a sudden it's the holidays and you've, you've got to bring the person back with you home to, and then now you're there. And that's, that to me is Ray Anderson in the Sun Bowl. Ray Anderson it told is. the Sun Bowl, boy, the Sun Bowl is unacceptable. The Sun Bowl is full of losers and it yeah. is a travesty to our program that we, are e- <laughs> that we would ever have to go play in El Paso at the end of December. And ASU is going to the Sun Bowl December 29th against NC State. Yeah, it's it's one of those um, statement. Like, I agree. I mean, what Ray Anderson said, you know, I, I you know, we're we're laughing about it. But what he said is, hey, you know, the Sun Bowl, the Cactus Bowl, that just means you're the fifth or sixth best team in the conference. He's right. I mean, factually, he is correct. There's no disputing that. But it's one of those where you you wonder. There are things Ray Anderson said. We talked about a lot of them last time. That like, did he kind of just start popping off more than maybe he intended? Um, I don't know him all that well. I mean, you know, obviously I, he hasn't done a lot of media availabilities to kind of Todd Graham. We kind, we kind of knew what Todd Graham would say. We knew how we'd go about things. Ray Anderson hasn't done that much, but you know, like why say that? I mean, there's nothing wrong, but you knew you were going to be going one of those bulls this year. Um, and, and all you've done now is kind of make it a little bit awkward going to that bowl. Um, so I, I don't know that that's, uh, again, I don't, disagree with him it's hard too that we should have bigger goals than the sun bowl but it kind of maybe didn't need to be said you could have just left it unsaid i mean we're still going to take their check um yeah of course so. oh yeah oh yeah yeah i mean you know and and take their free gifts and all that good stuff um uh you know i don't i don't know i mean by saying what he had already said which is seven and five and second in the south is not good enough you kind of already said that without saying. So I don't know that you needed to, you know, name bulls by name. Um, you know, it's it's also, I mean, we aren't going to that game. But, you know, the Cactus Bowl is the, the bull in our city that presumably, I think, is supposed to come back to Sun Devil Stadium when the stadium repairs are all done. Although maybe not. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that, that doesn't make for a great uh, working relationship with them if, if they do because they're going to be like, well, you know, yeah, you kind of put us down. I mean, again, I have to say, he didn't say anything incorrect, you know, but it's just not. It's not how it's done. To have said. Well, that's the, it's yeah. just not how yeah. it's done. Like the uh, the pinstripe bowl at Yankee Stadium. I, I right. wouldn't want to play in that bowl. That's a terrible bowl game. No. But that that's the bowl game. So you don't. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't exactly. dump on the bowl yeah. game. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I don't quite get it. Um, but here we are and uh, playing a fairly Good opponent. Um, I was hoping we'd get Louisville. Would have been fun to see Lamar Jackson, you know, and and uh, get to probably his final college game uh, against us, you know. But NC State is a very solid opponent with a really good defensive line that will make it difficult for us to get our running game going the way we did at the end of the year. Um, you know, it, it's it's a game that's hard to get too worked up about because we're, we're with a late duck head coach where. You know, there's not really anything on the line, to be honest. But 
um, you know, it'll be entertaining, I guess, and that's all you can really say about a bowl game. To me, the interesting questions for ASU during this period, and honestly, I don't know what Grant, you know, Graham said he doesn't really feel any pressure. I, I wonder what he's going to do as far as ma- media availability for the players, because True. there was a, there was an expectation, had everything been the same, that Christian Sam didn't participate in senior day and that he would yeah. come back. Uh, and that Karan Crump, I heard from, on Haller's podcast, was considering right. the trying to get a medical exemption because of it, you know yeah. because of his injury this year. And now, does that equation change? I I really want to know what do they know about Herman yeah. Edwards? Have they talked to him? Have they talked to the assistant coaches? What's going to happen? And well, and that's one of the strangest dynamics about this whole thing. I, you know, I was about to say. When I said, you know, hard to get up for this game, lame duck, you know, and I was about to say lame duck coaching staff. Well, it, it apparently is not. I mean, the, the head coach, but, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see over the next few days. But, you know, the thought is they want to retain as much of the staff as possible. So in some ways, that's good. Uh, you know, if we've talked about bowl prep and like, well, does it really help you if you got a new coach? Well, now, you know, you've got some coaches who will hopefully carry over and this can help you. You know, you get 15 practices with the staff that you'll mostly be working with, I guess, next year. But it's awkward. You know, it's just, it's really odd. There's a lot of, I mean, you threw out a couple names. We were texting this week about the quarterbacks. You know, we have five scholarship quarterbacks that are all due to come back next year. Very interesting to see, you know, how that rotation shakes out, who leaves, who stays. Uh, you know, they'll, that'll be an interesting offseason for a lot of different personnel to see where things go. I think you're going to see a lot of kids try to graduate, try to hustle credits in the spring semester and over the summer to try to get out. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be, anytime you change coaches, there's going to be some attrition. It's, I mean, we've seen it uh, several times already with football and basketball. You know, when you make coaching changes, not everybody's going to be on board. Some guys are going to say, well, hey, I, I came here to play for this guy. You don't want me. The coach might come in and say, you know what, uh, we'd rather, you know, not guys like Christian Sam, but guys down the roster that the coach may come in and say, you know, you just don't fit what we want to do. Thanks for everything you've done, but see you later. And there's another inequity in college sports. They can say that, you know, your scholarships year to year. They can just say, yeah, no, we're not interested in you anymore. See ya. Um, so, yeah, there, there will be. Um, you know, and, and that's just, it comes with the territory when you make a change like this, maybe there will be less if you do keep a lot of the assistants, because theoretically those are, that's the ones that players are closer to. They have their, you know, position meetings and, and they probably spend more time with their position coach than they do the head coach anyway. So maybe things won't change that much for them. It really bolsters your theory from the last time we talked that, Ray Anderson just didn't like Todd Graham. Because. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's kind of hard to to say anything. I, I don't know how you can conclude anything different. I mean, when you're – now, we'll see at the end what staff actually comes back. Are we, do we keep this exact staff in place? That's hard to believe. Got to think there's a, a you know at least a couple changes, a couple guys who say, I don't want to work for a guy I don't even know. Uh, you know, I want to get another opportunity. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you're opening your arms to – I guess the entire staff coming back or the majority of them, um, but not the head coach. I don't know how you can connect the dots any other way, but to say he just didn't like the head. And I'm not saying that as a personal thing. They they must just not have gotten along, seen eye to eye. He decided it was time to 
make a change. And, you know, that's his prerogative as the athletic director. He can do that. It makes you wonder how big of a hand Ray Anderson had in the hiring, at least of Bennett and Napier, um, and the yeah. and, and the pushing yeah. out of Keith Patterson, which was probably the right move regardless right. of what you did with the staff. But removing Keith Patterson as defensive yeah. coordinator, but allowing him to stay on as a, you know, floating assistant, basically. Yeah, yeah, um, and you got to assume he's that's a great you know. Got to assume he's one that won't stay because he and Graham, you know, have coached together forever, and he's here because of Todd Graham. Um, so I, you know, I don't know who knows. Um, but yeah, it's it is strange, and you do wonder. You know, I do think, I do think Graham got pressure to make a change on defense. Now the change on offense was he was forced into that because Chip Lindsey left. Um, but you know, do I do I absolutely think that Graham may have been told, hey, this won't this won't cut it. You've got to do something different. Yeah, I do. You know, um, maybe he realized that on his own, but, you know, he's a proud guy and he's, he's very loyal to his people. Uh, and so I kind of don't know if he would have made a change like that without his hand being forced. That's kind of where I land on it, too. He I mean, he basically kept him on the staff, even though he, I think, was yes. probably told to fire him. It's like, OK, fine. He's not the defensive coordinator anymore. He's right. still on the staff. He's still on the staff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, uh, you know, while we say his hand was forced on offense, did, you know, once that change had to be made, once Chip Lindsay left, did Ray Anderson meddle in the decision of who you're going to hire? Did he, you know, say, Hey, I'd like this guy. You should go get him because, you know, we talked about it. That was a guy from outside of Graham's tree. And that was what made it interesting going into this year was like, what would this guy do? How would he run the offense? I mean, Norvell, Chip Lindsay, they were they were guys who coached with Graham before. They coached with assistants who coached with Graham. Billy Napier was kind of a departure from that. Uh, so, you know, you, you wonder if maybe there was some push to make a change. And, you know, apparently Ray Anderson and the staff loves Billy Napier. Even read some discussion that they'll do a coach-in-waiting thing with him. I don't like that scenario necessarily. But, you know, it sure seems like he's won a lot of people over in the one year he was here. Yeah. Well, and the media, too. You know, they've yes. they've talked about how in the, you know, in the halls, Napier says all the right things about wanting right. to be here, wanting to know right. where it's going. Right. If that's true, the coach and waiting thing, it does make it interesting when he says, well, I want to see who the next coach is. And I'm not I don't really want to yeah. comment on it because if they hire somebody who's if they hire Mike Norvell, then there is no coach and waiting. You just are sure. kind of assuming. Sure. But if you hire a guy I mean, who's already in his 60s, you know. Yeah, who hasn't. Yeah, almost like a cynic here would look at the scenario and say, Ray Anderson, and I, I don't know that I believe all this, but, you know, I'm just saying could make this case. Ray Anderson wants to hire Billy Napier but can't do it because he's so inexperienced. So he's going to make Billy Napier the head coach behind the scenes, and he's bringing in one of his buddies to be the figurehead head coach. Now, again, do I really believe that? No. But, you, you know, it just kind of, you know, and Herm Edwards will probably work cheap. I mean, I'm very curious to see what kind of money he gets because he really, I mean, we shouldn't pay him a lot. Like, you know, we just shouldn't. We're he not should bidding probably be the, He should probably be the lowest paid head coach in the yes. conference. Yeah. Based on, I mean, based on where he came we from. We offer to pay him. Yeah, I mean, whatever we offer to pay him is more than anybody else is going to offer him because he wasn't a candidate anywhere else. So you just have this, like... There is this nagging thought in my mind of like, is this one of those like Ray Anderson said, hey, I'll do you a solid. You come be our, you know, CEO head coach for a couple of years. We'll pay you a couple million dollars. 
while you train this guy and this guy will be ready to take over as the head coach, you know, after you're done in a couple years. Yeah. And then you can go uh, back and uh, you can replace Lee Corso on yeah. game day. Right. Right. You know, this will help your brand a little bit. We'll, we'll get you some money and come out here and play golf 12 months a year. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to increase our profile in the NL because you've been an NFL coach again. I'm, I don't know that I believe all these things, but there's, you know, if somebody were to say it, it'd be hard for me to say, no, that's outlandish. What are you talking about? There's, there's some, you know, kind of logic in saying it. Yeah. There's smoke here. There might not be a fire, but, but something is smoking. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just has that feel that he maybe wants to hire Billy Napier, but can't because he doesn't think he's experienced enough or whatever. Now, I, I think, you know, if that's true, I would disagree with it. I've never bought that notion that you need to be a head coach before in order to be successful at Arizona State. I just disagree with it. I mean, you know, um, I can think of several recent national champion coaches who weren't head coaches before they took over at their place. Jimbo Fisher, Bob Stoops, Dabo Sweeney. Uh, there's three guys who won national titles, and they had not been head coaches prior to coaching at the school they won titles with. So, I just don't agree with that. Well, and you're potentially staring down the barrel of a fourth guy to add to that list with Kirby Smart and Georgia. You are. Which and, brings and us to the playoffs. Riley. Uh, I mean, there's two of them. Yeah. yeah. Two two guys in this playoff who were not head coaches before. And, I mean, Sweeney, you know, he already won one. But three of the four coaches in the playoff, yeah, they were not head coaches before they got to the place they're at now. So Ohio State and Wisconsin – had a touchdown separate them, and they both now get to watch from the outside uh, of the playoff. You get the Alabama-Clemson rematch in round one because they don't want to play yeah. Alabama-Georgia round one. No, no. And, and, you know, I mean, that's the fair way to see it. Uh, you know, I know the, the gut reaction is, you know, but, I mean, look, uh, you got your three conference champions, one, two, three, and your four spot was up for grabs. I think Clemson deserves the number one spot. Um you know, you can bait the four all you want. The fact of the matter is um, anybody who got left out can only look in the mirror at the end of the day because you lost games. Ohio State got blown out at Iowa. USC got blown out at Notre Dame. If Alabama had been left out, they lost at Auburn. I mean, you know, like nobody nobody was – the only team that could be upset and say this is unfair is Central Florida. At the end of the year, they're the only one with a zero in the loss column. Mm-hmm. And – there is part of me that wishes that they would do it and have Scott Frost <laughs> coach that. I do that too. Uh, you know, I mean, I knew there was no way it was going to happen. But, you know, as we're talking, you know, for the last 12 hours or so since Ohio State won, you know, this and that and who should be in. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you're talking about this one lost team, this two lost team. Well, we got an undefeated team. Throw them in there. Uh, I knew there was no way it was going to happen, but it, it would have been fun, I think, to see them get a chance uh, and maybe in an 18 playoff, a team like them would get a chance. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, yeah, here we are um, with, uh, you know, well, three three programs in here that have been to the playoff before um, and, and one in Georgia that hasn't been, but certainly a tradition-rich program. So the Blue Bloods are here, and, and it'll be entertaining. I mean, you, you know, you can quibble about the teams that are in, but those two games should be very good. Uh, I mean, they, they will be fun to watch. It is crazy to me to think that the Pac-12 is left out and the Big Ten is left out of a playoff yeah. in the same year. That's yeah. amazing. Not not that yeah. I think it's the wrong call. I, I actually no, don't. No, I mean, but, ultimately, you, uh, yeah, you know how much I hate Alabama. 
And as a fan who just didn't want to see them in, I was hoping Ohio State would come up on there. But after last night's game and everything I've seen from Ohio State this year, it's very hard for me to logically argue that they deserved it. They should have won that game last night by a much bigger margin. They, they were bigger, faster, stronger. They were bigger, faster, stronger they were. all game. They were. You know, I mean, they had two touchdown passes on the final drive of the first half. Both should have been easy scores. Barrett overthrew them both times. Um, they couldn't finish drives in the second half. Had to settle for two field goals. Turned the ball over. I mean, without, you know, without turnovers, they, Wisconsin only had three points. 18 of their 21 came off turnovers. Um, 10 directly. I mean, they had, you know, a touchdown on defense and a field goal when they got the ball at the 10. Didn't move the ball at all and got a field goal. So, uh, yeah, just it was a not a very impressive performance. It was not what it was three years ago when Ohio State was on the outside looking in and rolled into the Big Ten title game and was so impressive and so dominant that, it, you know, the tide turned in that four hours. Everybody thought, well, they're not making it. It's going to be the Big 12 champ. Uh, you know, is it TCU or Baylor, but one of them's going to get in. And Ohio State was so good that people, you know, changed their minds. Last night was not that. Yeah. No, this one was an example of Ohio State not just not doing enough because they had the talent no. to be better. They did. And, and they did. Ultimately, yeah. I do think part of it comes down to the fact that Alabama had one loss and that yeah, was the difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it was probably more palatable for them. To put them in, um, you know, and Alabama's loss was on the road to a top 10 team. You know, Ohio State lost to Iowa, and, and there's no getting by that law. Iowa's a 7-5 and five team, and they got blown out by Iowa. And, and had they lost that game, I mean, Herb Street made this point this morning. Had they lost that game 24-20, to 20, they might be in, you know, but it's hard to get past a 31-point loss to a mediocre team, uh, and I think that ultimately was probably the deciding factor. Yeah. So give me your give me your opening round picks unofficial because we got plenty of time uh, and yeah, we will do a yeah. bowl. We'll do a bowl thing on ESPN. I'll I'll send out yes. the link on Twitter. Uh, yes. We'll Sounds we'll good. have it out. But uh, your initial thoughts on the on the final four. Yeah, I mean, I would favor Clemson, but it's a heck of a tough game. I mean, that, you know, like one and four. Is, is certainly never like a 116 or something in the tournament where, you know, you go, well, this team's a big underdog. You know, I, I would favor them because they have looked so good. Boy, last night was impressive. They just took care of business. Now, Miami's not as good as Alabama, but um, they have just, you know, not showed any sign of slowing down. I think they'll do to Alabama what they did last year, which is make Jalen Hurts throw. And I don't know if he could do that successfully enough. He couldn't against Auburn. Um, and I think Clemson's defense is better this year than it was last year. Um, and then, you know, Oklahoma George is a very interesting contrast to styles, explosive offense and a really good defense. Generally history tells us take the really good defense. So I would probably favor Georgia at this point. I am the same with you on Georgia, Oklahoma. Um, you know, a lot of things can happen in the month. We have to wait for this game, but sure. Sure. But my inclination is that defense travels, uh, defense shows up in bowl games, especially when you're in yeah. an unfamiliar stadium. Right. So right. I'm inclined to yeah. take uh, Georgia there. I think the storyline of Kirby Smart going against Nick Saban's too good to resist. So I and yeah. obviously I will take Alabama until they're out. That's my, you know, yeah. That's yeah. my curse. I mean, it, it, they... <laughs> 
I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I know it. Uh, it upsets me, but I know it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, like I said, they will be good games. I mean, you know, they are they are both games. Like, if you had put Ohio State in, I think there was a good chance that Clemson would have rolled over them much like they did last year. And I don't see that being the case in either one of these games. Like, you know, these, these should be two very good games. Uh, like I said, that Rose Bowl is a very interesting contrast of styles. Um, you know, you get very likely the Heisman winner. I assume he's going to win the Heisman against one of the best defenses in the country all year. Um, you know, they, I read somebody on Twitter said, you know, Georgia reminded us yesterday they've been really, really good for 12 out of 13 games this year. They had one off week. And besides that, they've been pretty darn impressive every week. Yeah. I think that one will be fun. I think they'll both be fun. I think they'll be fun games. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll walk through the other bowls too. I mean, there are some other yeah, fun some, ones going some on. Some good uh, New Year's games. Uh, UAE, Ohio State, and the Cotton Bowl will certainly be a – you know, good historical matchup. Penn State coming to the Fiesta Bowl. I'm excited as a as a Valley resident who's never seen Penn State before. Get to see them here. So, uh, yeah, uh, there were some good ones. So we'll go through that uh, before we go. Just a brief, a couple brief check ins. One, the uh, the Fighting Hurleys beat San Francisco right. yesterday. They did not crack 90, but they got to 75 and won again yeah. by a, a very comfortable margin. And as an aside. Xavier beat Cincinnati transitive property. We should yep. be ranked ahead of both Xavier and Cincinnati this week. Yeah. Xavier has, has beaten two top 15 teams. I believe since that loss, they beat Baylor and then they beat Cincinnati. So yeah, that's good. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and I think I read we're one of teams left in the country with no losses. So good company to be in. Um, you know, we'll, I don't think that streak will last much past next Sunday, but we'll see. Yeah. But if we can roll into that game undefeated against Kansas, yeah, that you know that makes it all worth it. Um, it would, it would, yeah. And then the other little bit of housekeeping is the Mighty Lancers of Sal Point got to the yeah. state final. Uh, we had talked about whether or not we would bring it up as they were making their run through the playoffs. We decided not to, but rest assured, we yeah. were following it. And uh, just another yeah. spectacular season from Doc Benet. It was, it was, and, and, you know, ran into a program that has now won five consecutive state titles. Uh, you know, even with division realignments, they are a uh, freight train. You know, some of the names we've talked about in college football this year played at that program. Christian Kirk, uh, you know, some guys that we've recruited. I believe DJ Foster played there. Yep. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it is a dynasty, and, um, you know, there was some thought they were a little more vulnerable this year than they have been. They lost a couple games during the season, but I guess when it came down to it, they were not. Um, sounded like South Point had a little bit of a chance late. You know, they got within 14 and got a first goal with, I want to say, seven minutes or so left and had a bad snap that put them second in goal from the 25 and ended up turning it over on downs, and that was it. So just uh, ultimately not enough, but, uh, uh, yeah, another great season. Two state title games in the last five years. I believe that matches the number of state title games that we had played in prior in the combined you know history of the school prior to 2013 so no shame in you know getting there and not having quite enough this time around if herm edwards wants to add somebody on the offensive side of the ball in a quality control <laughs> uh position you know there that running back from south point is going to be a guy worth getting and uh yeah. he likes asu yes. so if you can 
ice that with Doc Benet as a quality control coach for a couple years. I, I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't bother me, but I, I think I think the doctor is, uh, you know, content to be the man at South Point. He's in a long run there now. Well, it goes back to our sophomore year when he took over. So over 15 years now, that's a that's a pretty good run. He's got to be among the longest tenured coaches in Tucson, I would think. Maybe oh, the yeah. longest. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, did is uh, Richard Sanchez still at Sunnyside? Because those would be the two. I'm not sure if he is. That, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, uh, that guy was there forever. Been at different places. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he is. Sunnyside has really fallen on hard times. You know, when we were in school, Sunnyside was really good, and they have fallen on some tough times. So I don't know much about them now because they've they've kind of fallen off a lot. Well, we'll probably not look into Sunnyside's coaching situation, but we will talk about other stuff. We appreciate the doctor and, and, you know, another great season. And we'll look forward to 2018. Both of these running backs are back. Uh, So, hey, why not make another run at it? So we'll be back. We're going to talk more about basketball. We'll talk about the rest of the bowl picture, anything else that's interesting. Uh, If and when the Herm Edwards hiring is made official tomorrow, um, you know, take a moment of silence, you know, center yourself. <laughs> this is more just if I'm listening to this tomorrow so that I can remind myself, uh, and that it is, it is fun. It's all for fun, no matter how stressed I get. And it's not really going to be the Makovic era for ASU by hiring Herm Edwards. So that's right. That's, that's right. That's what I'm telling myself. Um, until next time he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.